0: Good morning, First Christian of Quana. I like saying the name. It's fun. Quana. <laughs> but uh, uh, it is a pleasure to be able to speak with you from afar. I'm sorry I couldn't make it there with all the interestingness that's going on around the world. Uh, my wife and kids and I really wanted to to be there and spend some time with you and especially share a meal together. We love we love eating and and fellowshipping with people uh... but it's a privilege for me this morning just to be able to uh... give you the word long distance uh... recorded and i just hope it blesses you as as much as it it blesses blesses me to be able to do this Uh, but i look forward to seeing you one day and uh... until then i hope god continues to bless and and take care of you through, through this little crisis that we have going on through our nation so this morning uh, this morning we're going to be talking Luke 18. Uh, so if you're at home and you're watching, which I'm assuming you probably are, and if you have your Bibles with with you, um, you know, join in with me, uh, take some notes, just listen, whatever whatever it is that, that God moves you to do. Uh, but Luke 18, I want to be talking specifically about the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. Uh, before we go, I'd just like to open up in a word of prayer. Um, so if you would just just pray with me here. Uh, Heavenly Father, Lord, I just come before you this morning with an incredible blessing and privilege to be able to bring your word, uh, speak about your word, pray about your word. Father, I, what, what a privilege it is to be able to speak to brothers and sisters sixteen hundred miles away father uh, it is a great design of how you have put your family together your adopted family it doesn't matter where we are around the world your word is still your word you are still God and we praise you for that this morning so I just ask you to to bless the folks at First Christian uh, in the hearing of your word And the moving of their hearts, Father, and just the fellowship that we have here from a distance, Uh, Lord. But may you just be glorified uh, through this whole thing, and may our worship for you continue to increase no matter where we are, uh, just bonded together throughout the entire world, Lord. And we just ask this in your holy name. Amen. So in Luke 18, it's an interesting parable, and I, I, I want you to. I just want you to kind of think about it in this fashion. right? The world as we know it continues to view God in more simplistic terms and, and viewpoints uh, that kind of take away the attributes of the Lord. And I would like you to think about some of the greatest attributes of God that are necessary before we even begin and, and just hear through this type of lens that God is good, that he is sovereign, that he makes all those right choices and they're perfect 100% of the time, that he's holy, and this is the big one, That that we read his word as he is a holy God, that he is separate from us but he has created us and that he loves us, that he's wise and his wisdom is far greater than our wisdom. And Proverbs 3 continues to keep playing out over and over again. Uh, How many plans have we made uh, to try to do things for the Lord, including uh, this video here? Uh, And God is still wise and sovereign to be able to say, not quite yet, uh, but the time is coming. But his biblical wisdom that is for us, that he wrote down for us, continues to... uh, just speak and be fully truthful without any imperfections and and we praise the Lord for that that God is a God of justice that he does judge right and wrong that he is love how many of you need God's love this morning or later today or yesterday I know we need God's love wrapping around us uh, regularly all the time and praise the Lord, the last thing I want you to think about, just as those attributes, is that God is faithful. He is faithful to you and I, to the entire world, to His creation. He is faithful to every single promise that He made. And what we can praise the Lord for is that His faithfulness is dependent upon His character, and it is not dependent upon our problematic issues that we have in our life, but that we are enhanced and made complete through His faithfulness. And as we look at just the the comparison that Jesus gives us here in Luke 18 between the Pharisee and the tax collector, I want you to have that, that viewpoint of God just being something that is so big It's hard for us to grab a hold of all of its complexities. But starting in verse 9, just 9 through 14, I just want to read these verses to you and and then kind of break them down a little bit. It says, Also, he spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted." This, this little story is, is one of my favorite ones because it compares real life scenarios and things that we struggle with uh, on, on, on an everyday basis. But just starting off in, in verse 9, it doesn't sound like there's a lot of information here, but it is, it is filled. It gives us the, the overview, the definition of what we're looking at as Jesus unfolds the story for us. He says, these individuals, and he was speaking to uh, the Pharisees and the religious leaders of, of the day. He says, they were individuals who trusted in themselves, who thought that they were righteous, and that they despised other individuals. And if we make that into more uh, layman's terms, I guess, simplified terms, it's really those who trust in themselves, thinking that they don't have to depend on God. It's those who think that they are morally right, measuring by their own standard and not by God's moral standard. Or those who think their social position their position of power or prestige is greater than anybody else in the world. Now what's what's interesting is that uh, in our little town here in in Deposit New York, and I don't know if this is like this down where you guys are, but uh, we're we're about two and a half hours, three hours away from New York City and and New Jersey. Uh, We have a, a famous fly fishing river here and that brings a lot of city folk for vacation time frame. And uh, along with that comes pleasant individuals and those of stereotypes of entitlement and power. And somehow they all end up in this tiny little town demanding exactly what they think they deserve. And we, we, we battle with here on a, on a regular aspect of, of trying to love people who believe they are greater than others. And I know that's all around the world, uh, but it puts things into perspective for us that wherever we go, whatever we do, we need to take a, a different perspective and a different look on where God wants us to sit or view people or, or even how to serve people who are of a different culture, a different location, uh, a different poverty level, When I mean, you name it, there's a lot of examples that are out there. Proverbs chapter 30, uh, in verse 11 through 14, kind of give us a, the description, a, a greater description of what we're dealing with, just off of those three things that we found in verse 9. It he says, there is a generation that curses its father and does not bless its mother. There is a generation that is pure in its own eyes yet is not washed from its filthiness. There is a generation, oh how lofty are their eyes and their eyelids are lifted up. There is a generation whose teeth are like swords and whose fangs are like knives to devour the poor from off the earth and the needy from among men. We battle with here in our country generations fighting against one another. Lessons not being taught from from parents to children or grandparents even to grandchildren and as a result we stopped listening for wisdom from those who are older than us or even those from our peers and it it really came to be that we think we know more than what people around us know. And that's just pride. We're just talking about pride there. And we all battle with it, I said. And and this is the this is where we can see our, our country going, uh, if we don't stand firm on the word of God and really the, the the need for Jesus, the love of Jesus, the forgiveness of Jesus, in our life. Sometimes individuals, including ourselves, we get a little too, a little too uh, proud of what we think we know, or what we think we can do, or how strong we might. Be, or if we did it right the first time that we have this uh, assumption that we're going to do it right the second time and we forget that our dependence really comes upon a great God. But if we look back in, in Luke chapter 10 or Luke chapter 18 uh, in, in, in verse 10 we, we get a, a description of two men. They couldn't be more different than in, in how Jesus lays it out. So you have one who is a religious leader, a Pharisee, responsible for teaching the Word of God. With some other duties, but that's I mean the main one. And you have a tax collector who is looked at as a, a heathen. Uh, one of the, the lowest parts of humanity, partially because they like to keep extra money for themselves and charge people uh, more than what taxes really were, so they got a bad reputation. So even if there was a gentleman who tried to be accurate to what the government wanted, they were still looked at as just the lowest parts of of humanity. So we have this this, this description, a religious leader and an outcast, and each each man has a different focus. One focus the Pharisee on his own stature, his own position, his prestige, how, how he likes to carry himself so people could see him and, and just and, and give him the glory he thinks he deserves. You have the other who is trying not to look at his own stature, who sees where his sin level is that is overly wicked before a holy God, not in comparison to people but before God. And that is the difference, the main difference here. The Pharisee compares himself to no one. He thinks he's at the top. Where the tax collector compares himself to a holy God, separate, whose standard is perfection, as as is found in Matthew chapter 5. We're to be perfect like our Father in heaven is perfect. And that's pretty difficult to measure up without the grace and and, uh, righteousness of Jesus Christ in our life. So we see that there. says so the Pharisee stands and prays thus with himself and it's out loud it, it's, it's so other men can hear and they can feel shame and can look at him with, with greater or at least in his own eyes with, with a greater respect. But that's not exactly what happens. See, the Pharisee doesn't see a need for God to save and transform those who are needy, or lowly, or or the, the outcasts of society. The tax collector knew that he needed something greater than himself to be able to rescue him from where he was at. So the Pharisee, he lists out accomplishments. And this is normally what you hear first from the, from individuals who are stuck in this pattern and have yet to uh, either repent or, or have come to know Jesus through this whole thing. Uh, is The list of incompl- or, or accomplishments that try to impress God. Only God is not impressed by our accomplishments. We have to remember that. God is impressed by how much we truly depend on Him. God blesses through our love for Jesus Christ through our obedience to him through through the work that we do not for our own glory but for the transformation of people through the holy spirit so this pharisee didn't remember or understand the words that Jesus gave and, and I guarantee you he would, I don't know this for certain but I would I would I would guarantee he was there in Matthew chapter 9, sitting around listening to Jesus talk. In verses 12 and 13, when Jesus says, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. And he gives it a specific command here. He says, but go and learn what this means. All right, this command just slipped by the Pharisees. It went right past them because they already thought they knew what this means. Jesus says, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So in all of all of the Pharisees' uh, uh, accomplishments, he refers to himself five times in, in these two verses. He says, I prayed. Uh, I, I'm praying out loud so people can know it. He says, I, I thank you that I'm not like other men. That's a pretty... Pretty bold stance. Pretty bold stance. Because we also know that the Word of God says, if we judge others, we will be judged by those same measures. He says, I thank you that I'm not like other men. I fast twice a week, which is far more than what the, the biblical requirements were at that point in time. I give tithes of all that I possess. And we see that description. And really, Romans chapter 10, I just want to read this to you. Romans chapter 10, verses uh, verses 3 and 4. Kind of lay this out very simply. He says, For they being ignorant of God's righteousness, and this is the Pharisee, he, he was ignorant of, of the need for God's righteousness in his life. It says, For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted... To the righteousness of God. And that's the comparison that Jesus is trying to make here. Is that when pride gets in the way. When power, our entitlement factor, gets in the way of different things. We lose the fact that we need the righteousness of Jesus Christ in our life. Because verse 4 kind of sums it up. It says, for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. And the law is designed to point Point out your sin. It's punitive. There's penalties to be paid. Christ imputed his righteousness to us. He gave us, he cloaked us, he covered us with his righteousness so when God looks at us, he doesn't see, Oh, you filthy sinner. He says, I see you, my child, covered in the blood of my son. But then we have a different description the description of a tax collector there is few pictures that are that paint a picture of beautiful brokenness such as this there is such a weight and a burden on this man's life as we see here it says that and the tax collector he can't even come close to where anybody else is he's just kneeling before god he says he, he can't even raise his eyes to heaven which tells you exactly where he, he believed his sin was before a holy God. And you can tell when people are full of shame and are guilt. And, and if we look at ourselves when we feel guilt or shame or even rejection, it's hard to look at people in the face. It's hard to look at individuals in the eyes and, and just not feel unworthy. And this is this, this gentleman. He is trying to talk with God and the only thing he has to say while he's beating his chest, and, and it, you, when I picture this, it's hard. He's pounding on it. It's making a loud sound. Tears are streaming down his his face, and this is not a quiet cry. This is a, a an imploring of God, a yelling out for God. God, be merciful to me, a sinner, and and. There is nothing greater that we ask for than the mercy of God when we see where we stand before Him. where we see where our, our sin stands before Him. And I love the fact that he calls himself a sinner because he's really saying, I am extraordinarily wicked. My sin has put me in a spot and I am wicked before God. And we see he's just pleading. He knows that he can't do anything himself he needs God to do it for him. He needs forgiveness that only God can offer. He needs, to, he needs that freedom that only the blood of Jesus can can give him to remove his sin. He needs God. His eyes are not on himself. His eyes are on the promised Messiah, the Holy Father, the words, the promises of God. and. And Jesus gives us a remarkable uh, answer to this. He says, I tell you, in verse 14, I tell you, this man went down to the house justified rather than the other. This points out to us, there is an immediate imputing of righteousness for us. When we call out for God, God, forgive me. God, be merciful to me. God, I need you. I am not worthy of it, but please, I need you, God. It is instantaneous in how God responds. He didn't earn it. He didn't work for it. He cried out to God in faith. And through faith, righteousness was given. Forgiveness was given. That's why it says, For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. God declared very passionately and quickly and powerfully that this lowly tax or tax collector is now morally pure. He is now righteous because of his brokenness over his sin and his humility of spirit. In Philippians chapter 3, just four verses 8, 8 through 12. It says this, in regard to this, it says, Yet indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. And I hope that's true of, of you and I today, that we look to gain more of Jesus more than anything else that this world has to offer. It says in verse 9, And be found in him, not having my own Righteousness which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith." And here's what we're, here's what uh, people desperately need, and here's what we really need every day of our life, that I may know Him, that I may know Jesus, and the power of His resurrection, and the fellowship of His sufferings, being conformed to His death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead this tax collector sought life from God. There was an empty hole, a weight that kept pressing down upon him. He needed God to fill it. And he went to the only place, in the only manner that he could, in a state of brokenness, uh, of sorrow over his sin, and, and, and just laid himself before a holy God and said, God, please, save me. Please save me. There's a lesson to be learned from this and just turn over me to Luke chapter 14 as I kind of close this out. There's a couple things I want to leave you with. In Luke 14 just 8 through 11 we see a story here another story from Jesus about taking the lowly place at the table. It says, When you are invited by anyone to a wedding feast, do not sit down in the best place, lest one more honorable than you be invited by him. And he who invited you and him come and say to you, Give place to this man, and then you begin with shame to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit down in the lowest place, so that when he who invited you comes, he may say to you, Friend, go up higher. Then you will have glory in the presence of those who sit at the table with you. For whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. There's that little theme there that runs through several places in Scripture. But here's what I, uh, out of this right here, just just four things that I, I, I want to leave you with, practically speaking. we should purpose to show honor to those that are around us and not assume that we have the honor that that we think we are entitled to. We want to give that glory and honor uh, to really to anybody who walks by us so that they know the love of God. They know the, the glory of God around them. And the second thing as we see here is just in those couple verses, is to choose the spot at the end of the table. Not to be the one that runs up and sits next to the Master and say, this is my seat, but to 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 take the position at the end and allow the Master to call you forward. To be invited and to make sure that we are invited. When we hear the Master's voice, when we hear the voice of Jesus Christ, we know we are invited to the throne of God. That's the third thing. We want to allow Jesus to exalt us. We want God to place us in positions and conversations in in different places in our, our community by His hand and not just by our desire. We want Him to be glorified and exalted. It's His name that is eternal, not ours. It's His. And He is the one that has power in His name. And we get a reward. And there's the fourth thing. God's glory becomes displayed through us. That is our ultimate reward. When he says, I want you to come sit next to me. I want you to dine with me. I want to converse with you personally. Invite you in my house, sit at the place of honor. You are covered in the glory of your majesty. As Christians, those who have claimed Jesus Christ, are ultimately blessed through the glory of our Savior. This is what the world desperately needs to see from genuine Christians, real mature believers, is not our glory, glory like the Pharisee, but glory in, in all of its extent of the master of the Savior of our Lord, Jesus Christ. So I just want to encourage you today that even though we're facing all of this around our country and really around the world, I don't know what's going on in in your town, I don't know what's going on in your individual lives, but I do want to encourage you that when we are broken, willingly broken before God, God lifts us up. Heals us, restores us, forgives us, transforms us into a greater image of Jesus Christ. And if you're struggling there today, just talk to Jesus. Get alone with God, very simply, so that no one else can hear, and it's just you and the Father uh, having a personal conversation that just says, God, I need you. I don't know what to do in this scenario. I don't know what to do in this situation. Or... I'm just struggling today I need you in my life and if we get to that spot and if you are in that spot where things are God is just laying out incredible blessings be quick to praise God for his goodness in your life be quick to praise God and sing songs of glory and prayers of praise that just say God you are great I love you Thank you for loving me." We have a choice, folks. We have a choice. Every single day, we can put on the clothes of a Pharisee, or we can put on the clothes of a tax collector that lead us to Jesus Christ. It's by His grace that we can choose the actions that honor Him. So I pray I just pray that Jesus is mightily seen through you as a church down there for a hurting community for some lost people that are around you that you probably haven't even met yet and it's a small town so maybe you know everybody by there uh, but they still need Jesus Christ and may it be God who brings them your direction. Just join with me as we Kind of close in a word of prayer. Father, we, we thank you for the, your words. We thank you for this example. Lord, the, the, the reality is, is that we do struggle with some pride. We do struggle with our own accomplishments and, and our own wisdom from time to time. But I want to thank you that you are merciful and that you're forgiving and you give us chance upon chance and and you are slow to anger. Lord, and your goal is always to restore your children and to show love to your children. And we just praise you and thank you for that. Father, we thank you for the gospel of Jesus Christ that cannot be erased by any disease, by any fear, by any panic, by any enemy. We thank you that Jesus is victorious. That he paid our penalty on the cross. That he defeated death and that He gave us life with His resurrection. Father, I want to thank you that for, for those who have called out upon Jesus and I pray that is everybody at, at First Christian and even the town of Kwana will one day be able to say they have called out on the name of Jesus Christ. That it would be a personal invitation to come dine with the Master. And there would be filled with so much joy that they would run to the master. Not even walk, but run. Yes, God, I want to be with you. So Lord, we just ask for your hand of blessing and protection for first Christian. As they walk forward, shining the light of Jesus Christ, in a sin-cursed world, in a struggling world, Lord, may you transform them in only the way that you know how, And let it be your name that stands out. Father, we just ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.